Well, good evening, Living Hope Community Church, and I am so excited again to bring God's word to you. I want to give God thanks again for each and every one of you that are taking time out every single week to join us here at Living Hope, whether it's by, um, you know, YouTube or Facebook, or you're downloading our audio format um, sermons and listen to, to the sermon during the week. Whatever time that you choose to tune in to us, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for what God um, we're thankful for what God is doing in your life as well so we're going to jump right into our passage today which is Acts chapter 4 um, and, and, and my sermon and the message today is to bring us to the end of this story of the layman and, and, and the response of the early believers after Peter and, Jay and John were, um, were released from prison. And then maybe in, a, in, in the next coming weeks, uh, we're going to continue in the book of Acts. Um, but I will also um, be, be switching things up a bit for the summer and bring some different messages along the way. And then at, uh, at some point, come back again in Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to trust the Lord to, um, to just... Uh, um, lay uh, a few things on my heart, um, messages that I really want to bring um, to to you, um, and trust that the Lord will will bless you um, over the summer months, and then we'll continue hopefully um, as the go as the Lord leads. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter four, verse um, verse twenty three to thirty two, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version, and I'll give you an opportunity also to to get your Bibles and 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 follow me along. Um, but before we do, as you always know, that I would like to look to, we, I ask that we will look to God in prayer and um, ask the Lord blessing upon his word and for, his, uh, for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Um, so let us pray and let us look to God in prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we, we just want to thank you, God, this evening. We thank you, Lord, Father, that we can look to you, God, as the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you today, Lord God, that you will help us to, to truly understand your word. Lord, touch our hearts, touch our mind, touch our will, God. Help us to be able to, to, to get to that knowledge of, of the truth and through the power of your spirit, speak and open up our understanding. Father, we pray, God, that you will take your word this evening and minister to your people. Lord, whatever there is in our life, God, I ask that you will remove them. Whatever things that are, stars, are hindering us, uh, in our walk and our relationship with you, God, we ask today that you will remove them, and, and Lord, that you, your word and your Holy Spirit will have a rightful place in and through our lives. And so we give you praise and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they, they means Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends. In some translation, it says they went to their companion. And, and so we're going to continue to read from the ESV. They went to their friends and reported that the chief priest and the elders had said to them, when they had heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, set by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentile rage? Or the heathen rage, and the people plot in vain. The king of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. For truly, Lord, in this city 
they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their hearts, their threats, sorry, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are, are performed through the name of your holy servant. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. For those of you who have been following us over these past several weeks are not quite familiar with the story of the layman. The story of the layman at the gate, at the beautiful gate, is one of, like you heard me before, is one of the longest accounts in the book of Acts, starting from Acts chapter 3 all the way to the very end that we read here today in Acts chapter 4. And there are several things that we have learned over these past several weeks from these two chapters. So I'm just going to take a minute and recap some of those things. Just quick highlight some of the key things that we have um, looked at. We have first, we, first we have the account of the miraculous healing of the layman at the gate of beautiful. Then we see Peter, P, Peter sorry, preach his second most powerful message and after which 5,000 men came to faith. That was, those were only men, not including women and children. We have the first oppression um, that, the, that the disciples were going to experience. Um, and not only that, but we have the first prison experience. Not only the, the oppression and the rejection that they faced, but we have the first prison experience. Then we see the boldness of the apostles to speak the name of Jesus as they stood trial before the Sanhedrin council. After which, which is what we're going to look at tonight, the first prayer meeting and the outburst of praise and, 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 and as they proclaim the name of the Lord their God. The second we see the outpour, the, sorry, the next we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came upon the lives of the believer and filled them once again and empowered them to proclaim the name of Jesus with boldness. That is an answer to prayer. And then um, later on in Acts chapter 4, which we're not going to touch tonight, we have the oneness of the believer. As they were moved by the Spirit of God, they began to share their possession and, and, and sell their possession and share it among the less fortunate. So this week we are going to look at the spontaneous response of the early believers after Peter and John were released from the hands of the Sanhedrin. That is the passage which we read here tonight. Now, now I have to assume, and I'm going to assume this, while Peter and John were in prison, the believers who were, who were wherever they were, when they knew of Peter and, and, and John, were in prison and they were standing trial. Those believers, I believe that there were many things that were taking place, but two of those most important things is that they did not allow the fear of what was happening to Peter and John to stop them or to drive them away from serving and walking with Jesus Christ. But they gathered together, they come together, and I believe that they were in prayer for the apostles. They were prayer 
for Peter and John, for God to, to deliver them, for God to give them boldness, because that is a reflection of their prayer today as Peter and John join them. And so I will assume the text doesn't really say what they were doing, but I just assume that this is what were this is what was taking place. Now I wonder how many of us when we are faced with opposition or we, we, we we're being rejected of a, because of our faith. And we are being put to the test. How are we responding? How are we responding to that? What is our response to those, to those things when, when, when people challenge our faith or, 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 or we face opposition? Uh, do we find ourselves anchored? Our faith is more anchored in, 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 in Jesus Christ? And, and are we able to stand firm for what we believe? I believe this was the heart and the passion of the early believers. So tonight we're going to look at several things. Um, I'm, I'm sure that many of you can recall lately, and, and something that I want to touch in tonight, and I, and I believe I want to shed some light on this. Many of you can recall lately, for those of you who live in Canada and are watching the news, um, as believers, we are going to be persecuted, not only the early believers, but throughout the history of the world. And you heard me say this many times. We're going to be persecuted for our faith. We're going to face up opposition. We're going to be rejected and many other things. Now, I just want to touch on two, two stories that I've, been, that I've been following over these past couple months. And they're right here in Canada, and, and many of you may have remembered this story here with Pastor John, um, not John, but Pastor Arthur um, Pawlowski, Paul, um, Calgary, from Calgary um, um, Street Church in Alberta, along with his brother David, David um, were arrested and charged with organizing an illegal, um, illegal um, in-person gathering when they were told not to gather, they broke the, the COVID law and they were taken um, in prison for their faith, for standing up for, for their right as who they are, um, uh, as believers in Christ and doing what they know what is right to do. Um, and then we have Pastor James Coates in Edmonton, and, and you also heard about his story. He was arrested and thrown in prison for 30, I think it's 33 days, and June 17 was his trial. Um, and he was charged for opening his church for service while violating, and then uh, violating from what they are saying, the news is saying uh, the COVID restrictions, and you can, you can watch it on YouTube. Now on June 7th, which is recently, the National Post had this to say about the trial that, that took place on that day. A judge, and I quote, a judge, a judge has ruled that, that the religious freedom of, of Alberta, of Al Alberta pastor who is on trial for violating COVID-19 regulations were not violated. So they found him um, not guilty and he was not, um, wasn't charged for violating any COVID restrictions from what the news is saying. Now the body of Christ now I'm, I'm just I just said I just wanted to draw that to your attention because it's recent in, in our in our day and age I'm not talking about persecution and rejection um, in the days of the apostle but this is right in, in the in, in our face in our in our day and age in which we live and there is much more persecution and rejection to come the body of Christ known as the Church of Jesus Christ will continue to face opposition 
what was what was what was the uh, the what was the early church response to opposition and that's the question that i want to ask what was the early church response to opposition we've seen that several weeks that i've been preaching that the response to that is found even in our passage today that they gather they stood up form for what they believe and we should ask the same question to ourselves today, what, sh what would be our response? Not, not, not only Pastor Coates, not only uh, Pastor Arta and his brother, but uh, we as believers in Christ. Now there are four things the early believers acknowledged after the release of Peter and John, after they were thrown in prison, after they stood trials. There are four things as they came back, as you heard me read, to gather among their friends or companion. There are four things that took place on that day. Four things that they declared in their prayer. The very first thing, they, they, they acknowledge that God is, so, uh, he is the sovereign Lord, the creator of all things. That God is sovereign and that he is the creator of all things. Second, that he is Lord over the affairs of men. Third, that he is the Lord of redemption. And fourth, that God is sovereign over our modern world. Okay, those are the four things in our prayer today that you will see. Now they declare these four things about God whom they serve, about the God whom they serve. And these four things today are going to remind us of the greatness of our God. To encourage us in our walk with Christ. To anchor our faith as believers in Christ. To assure us that God is still on his throne and that he is still in control. And also to give us hope that no weapon that form against us will prosper. So now let, let me just ask you to turn your attention to verse 23. The passage that we read today. And then we're going to touch on the four things that we talk about that I mentioned here tonight. When, let us look at the prayer of the apostles and, and, and the response of the early church. When they were released, they went to their friends. They went to their friends. And they reported that the chief priests, they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now the disciples, which is, which is Peter and John, they, they went to their friends or companion as some translations say. They went to basically believers in Christ. They went to other disciples. It was not, the, I don't believe it's the 5,000 or the 3,000, but it was a company of, of, of believers who were there. And as soon as they shared what God was doing in their lives and their experience, their immediate response was to go, that, their immediate response was to go to God in prayer. In our world today, what do you see? What do you and I see when, when something happens in our life? What do we do? As soon as something happens, it is, it, it, it is either on um, every media platform, as soon as something happens, becomes a story on Facebook or on Instagram or on YouTube or on every other social media platform. We're ready to share it with the world. We're ready to, to tell the world what is happening. But these early believers, when they heard, they went to God in prayer. They went and acknowledged the things that God has been doing in their life. We sometimes don't think about bringing things to God in prayer. 
or bringing it to the pastor of the church and share what God is doing in their life or testifying of the goodness of God. It gets out to every other platform before it gets to, 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 to God. And sometimes God is the last to hear about it. So I want you to think about that. What do you do when something happens in your life? How do you respond? Do you just throw it up in Facebook or do you go to God and just give him thanks for what he has done? Let us look at how the early believers responded. So the first thing, they lifted up, the Bible said, they lifted up their voices in one accord. That means they lifted up their voices together. You see, these believers had no time to talk about what was right and what was wrong and how Peter and John felt that they, were, that they had to, to be in prison, that they had to stand against the, the religious council and the boldness they demonstrate. The church recognized, the believers recognized that all that took place from the, from the healing of the layman in prison to the trial of Peter and John had nothing to do about, about them to boast in or glory in. It's about who God is. They recognize the sovereign Lord. They recognize the, that God was, God is in control. So the first thing we're going to look at tonight is sovereign, that God is sovereign over creation and over all things. So follow me here tonight. So they first acknowledge that the sovereign rule of God that God is sovereign and that he rule over all crea creation. Here's what they said in verse 24. And when they had heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They acknowledge who God is. Sovereign Lord was a common title used in the Greco-Roman world. It was used for world rulers and, and within the, the, the Jewish community in relation to God. So the word sovereign Lord was, was nothing new to, to, to those that live in the early church. Sovereign, the sovereignty of God and the lordship of God goes hand to hand. When we talk about the sovereignty of God and we talk about the lordship of God, both of them goes hand to hand. They are the same, they are the very same thing. If God is sovereign, then he's also Lord. And if he's Lord, he's, he's Lord over everything. He's not only sovereign, but he's also Lord over everything. And the simplest definition of God's sovereignty, and I like this, and it's taken from Pastor John Piper, and I hope you will see it on the screen. And he said this in, 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 in some very few words. He says, God's sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he declares to do that he sorry that he decides to do god sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he decides to do it is god's right it is in god's power and it is in god's control yes brothers and sisters all that he decides to do it has nothing to do with us you see god is in is the one who is in control the Bible said that he rules over everything. He rules over earthly kings and powers and over all creation. In Exodus 34, God sent Moses 
If, if you're following me, Exodus 34 and verse 14, God sent Moses to Pharaoh, who was the world power of Egypt. And God said to Moses in, in verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the, sorry, to the people of Israel. I, I am has sent you, me to you. And God said, God said to, to, to Moses, say this. Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. Sovereign Lord, the God who rules, the God who reigns, the God who is in control, the great I am, I am who I am sent you. That I am the God of Abraham, I am the God, I'm, I'm the covenant making God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you, sent me to you. And this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered remember throughout all generation. You hear what God says? I am who I am. The divine name of God is Yahweh. So when the Jewish people refer to God, God's sovereignty or God's sovereign rule, this is the name they would refer to. They use the name Yahweh for God's, the, God's, the sovereign rule of God. He is the one that is in control over all things. He rules over the affairs of men. He makes covenant with his people and also promised to be with us, be with us, his people, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the outbursts of praise coming from the mouth of the early believers were coming from what they knew of God. And from the writings of the Old Testament. They were not ignorant men. They were not unlearned. And they pull words from not only, not only what they knew of God. But they pull words from Isaiah. They go back to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 37 and verse 16. Hear what Hezekiah prayed. And he says, O Lord of hosts. O Lord of hosts. God of Israel. Enthroned above the cherubims, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. You have made heaven and earth. Hezekiah prayed and acknowledged that God is sovereign. God rules and reigns above it all. And he is the one that is responsible for creating the heaven and the earth. Not Big Bang. It's God. And then Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah said, I saw him high and lifted up. God gave him a revelation of who he is. And the believers not only acknowledge God as the sovereign Lord, but that he is the one responsible for the created world. That is, what they, that is what they prayed. That the world in which we live and the entire universe, it's all because of this sovereign Lord. It's all because of God. And then in John chapter 1 and verse 3, John will declare all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Not anything that was made. 
Then Paul picks that up in, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul would says, he says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You see, the early believers were not telling God about the things that he did not know. They were not reminding God of things that he were already know. They were not informing God about their current situation. No, they were declaring and acknowledging that God is the one who is sovereign. He knows all things. He hears all things and he sees all things. And there is nothing that is done without God's knowledge. That is what they were declaring. Sometimes we as believers, we forget that we, we are all at the mercy of God. We forget of God's, that God is the one who rules and God is the one that is in control. We as believers and, uh, uh, forget. And I want to ask this, how many times, how often do we take time out to acknowledge God as the one who rules and reigns, and God is the one who is in control, the one who sits upon a throne, the one who is highly exalted, the one who is given a name that is far above every other name, that every knee will bow and that every knee will confess that He is Lord. How many times do we stay, take time out to acknowledge that He is Lord and Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and that He is the Almighty God, and that He is the Everlasting Father, and that He is the Prince of Peace? How often do we acknowledge his sovereign rule over our lives? Not only that did they pray and acknowledge about the sovereign rule of God over their lives. But they also acknowledge that God is sovereign over the affairs of men. Not over only creation. God is not only sovereign over creation that he, he's in control and he rules. But that he's also in control of the affairs of men. Hear what he declared. And this is what they declared in, in verse 25. And they pulled this very verses from, not only did they pull it from Isaiah that I just read, but they also pulled the very words, they go back to what they knew of the psalmist David. Hear what they said in verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, set by the Holy Spirit, why did the gentle rage or the heathen rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. What were they praying there? Let me say something to you here this afternoon, brothers and sisters. We live in a world that, that is stained with sin. And the desire of men is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Men and women seeks after pleasure and after material things of this world. And it is not the world God intended it to be. God did not intend the world the way it is today. The world may seem as if it is out of control. When we look at the world, we see it as, it, as if it, things are out of control. Over this past year when we were locked down with COVID-19 and we were told what not to do. What to do and what not to do. And we were restricted and we sometimes believe, yes, that man is in control. But in the midst of all of this, it is only God who is in control. And over the years, I have witnessed to people about God and, and, and the free gift of salvation that God offers to his son. 
And you know what some would say to me? That if there is a God, why, why is he not doing something or anything about this suffering in this world? Sometimes people would respond to that. Why so much evil and suffering? Why so much pain? Why so much distrust? Why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And the wise and the wise and the wise continue. They continue to ask questions. Because we believe that it's not fair. It's not right. But yet again, we fail to see that God is the one who is in control over the affairs of men. So many people cannot accept the fact that these things are the result of sin. And it's not the world that God intended it to be. But that does not mean that he has left us. God has left us on our own to sort things out. No, he will never We as human beings will never be able to fix this world or fix anything. And only God is able to do that. Only God can. You see, brothers and sisters, kings, princes, and priests are not in control. Not, wicked religious men are not in control. The government, the politicians are not in control. They are in rebellion towards the things of God. And hear what they prayed. He, he, kings of the earth. Look, hear how they prayed. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. Everything, everything that men do, they do it against the Son of God. And Jeremiah says, hear what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 of verse 9. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. That is the heart of man is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. And who, who can know it? Jeremiah prayed. Who can know it? You see, wicked men will continue to rebel against the things of God. They will do everything in their power to stop the spread of the good news of the gospel. Christians, brothers and sisters, will continue to face opposition. Because the teaching of Christ goes in opposition or in, in, in the opposite direction to the world. The gospel stands alone, brothers and sisters. Jesus stands alone because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is life. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. There is no other way. When you find Jesus, you find life. Without him, we are dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and our sin. You and I may want to believe that the world is out of control. We may want to believe that our world is out of control. No, it's not. In our eyes, it may seem that it's out of control. But God is in control. You see, the world is moving in the direction. You know why God is in control and not man? Because the world is moving in the direction in which God wants it to move. As much there are chaos and confusion, as much there are so many things that we're not happy about. And yet, because it is stained with sin, the world is still moving in the direction that God wants it to go. Because he is in control of the affairs of men. He raised up kings and princes and priests. Because he is still 
in control. Jesus declared, what did Jesus declare? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Go back, let us go back in the history of the world, and you and I tell me something that God was not in control of. If you can think of one thing that God was not in control of, you tell me what it is, or God had no knowledge of it. If you have it, you can send me an email this week and let me know what that looks like. But you cannot find one thing that God is not in control of. You see, God is not only sovereign over creation and the world in which he created. He's sovereign, he's sovereign over the affairs of men. He, he, he goes back into history, from, from all the way into history, every, every, every history of man. The very history of man from the very creation to now, God is still in control. And not only that, not only in the affairs of man, the very third thing is, is that God is sovereign in redemption. Because God, God not only looked at sin and says, okay, leave them alone, but God made a plan, God made a way, God made a way of escape. So, third thing, sovereign in redemption. Hear what it says in verse 27. For truly, Lord, and they're praying, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant, whom you anointed, both Herod, hear what it says, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hands. They may say that they crucified him. They may say that they killed him. They may say that they put him on a cross. But hear what, they, hear what the apostles are praying. To do whatever your hands and your plan has predestined to take place. Nothing could have been done without your plan. Nothing could have done without your purpose. Nothing could have done without you allowing it to happen. You see God's redemptive plan. God's, redem God's redemptive plan was in place before the very creation of the world. The Apostle Paul would declare that in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and verse 4. Let me read that to you for those of you who want to be encouraged. He's, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, us the believers in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be what? We should be holy and blameless before him. How can we be blamely, holy and blameless before him? That can only come through Jesus Christ. You see God's plan to redeem us has always been through the crucifixion of his son. And Jesus will later declare here what Jesus said. In John chapter 10 Verse 7, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. God is in control. And God offers salvation to every one of us. God had a plan. God did not just leave us alone to figure out things for ourselves because no, we, we can't. And what did Peter said in Acts chapter 3 that we saw several weeks ago? Peter says that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. God glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. 
When he had decided to release him, but you deny the holy and righteous one, and you ask for a murderer to be granted to you, and you kill the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Peter said that in Acts chapter 3 and verse 13. Peter declared that you did it, but God was in control of it. Then in Acts chapter 4 that we see last week, and he, Peter stood up against the Sanhedrin council, and he says, Man, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Not only you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. You killed him, God raised him. And by his name, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that you rejected, you builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone, the foundational block you rejected. That was their prayer, brothers and sisters. That not only God, that God is sovereign, not only that he's God of creation, not only he's over the affairs of men, but God offers a plan. God, of, God brings redemption to every one of us. And then they declared in verse 28 that these men do whatever your hands and your plan has predestined to take place. Nothing could have been done without your plan. Let me say this to you brothers and sisters. Opposition, persecution, rejection, and even death, even death of the saints of God are in God's control. Opposition, persecution, rejection, death. All of these things are in God's control when it comes to the saints of God. And in 1834, Pastor Edward Mote, a Baptist preacher, penned these words, which is one of the, my, my, my most favorite hymn. Hear what he said. Hear what he penned his word beautifully put. To help us to understand about God's plan and God's love for humanity. Hear what he says. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Hear what he says. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, he says, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, then he is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand without Jesus Christ. There will be no hope for humanity. If God was not in control, we would have been dead in our trespasses and sin. Because God is, is sovereign. Because he has made a way to redeem man back to himself. Without Jesus Christ, humanity will be lost and without hope. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, lost and without hope, Christ died for us. And that is the beautiful hymn that sings, All other ground is sinking sand, all others, 
All other religious belief system gives a false sense of hope, a false sense of security, a false sense of salvation. All others, the Bible says, will fail. But Jesus will never fail. Never fail. And I pray that we will learn, that we as believers in Christ will learn from the early believers how to pray. Pray the truth of God's word which brings me to my final point. Not only is he sovereign over creation, not only is he sovereign over the affairs of men, not only is he sovereign in the redemption, but is he sovereign over the world in which we live. And they pray that too. And they recognize that, that things are not going to change. Verse 29, Now Lord, look upon their threats. He says, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with boldness. Grant to us boldness to speak your word while you stretch out your hands to heal and, to, and, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What were they praying, brothers and sisters? What were they praying for? They were saying, Lord, they were, they were, they were saying, Lord, that you have done everything. That everything is in your hands and in your control. God, they have done it to you and you promised that they will do it to me and to us. Yes, the threats, the opposition, the persecution, the rejection, the torment, the torture will come. But Lord, they were not asking to remove the threats and remove the oppression and remove the persecution and remove the rejection or the torment or the torture. They were not praying for that. They said, Lord, bring it on. But give us boldness to speak, to continue to speak your name. Continue to speak the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Give us boldness, Lord, because that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul says, that the, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is power in it to save and to deliver and to set free. Free man from the power of hell. Free man from the power of sickness and disease. Free man from the power of sin. They were not asking God to take away the trials and the threats. They were not asking for more. They were asking for more boldness. They said, God, while you stretch out your hands, your hands, God, the healing, the miracles, the sign, the wonders are all in your hand. They were not asking for let the sign be reflected of what we are doing. No, no, no. God, we know that you're going to heal. God, we know that you're going to bring signs. God, we know that you're going to bring wonders and miracles. But give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus. They acknowledge that the healing and the signs and the wonders are done by God, not by man. And you see Peter said that many times. Peter said, don't look at us as if we are the ones that are healing. They were not praying for more anointing for Peter and John to be empowered more with the Holy Spirit. They were not praying for a, a double portion or the anointing of God upon their lives. No, they were praying for boldness to speak. Verse 
I have seen so many, so many people have turned their eyes from the sovereign Lord. And have turned to men because they, they feel that these men have power to heal. We run before men and women. We believe that they have the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon their lives to heal. But look at the example of the apostles. They were not looking at men. They were looking at God. And they were saying, give us boldness. What we see today in our world today is completely contrary to the teachings of the scripture. And I pray that God would raise up godly men and women who have the same passion and desire like the early believers. Whose hearts are filled, brothers and sisters, with love and passion for the lost. So many believers are caught up in this, in, in, in this name and claim it gospel, in the prosperity gospel, is, and, and this cheap grace ministry. We're so caught up with those things. Take an example of the lives of the early church. They were not. And Jesus said in John 10, I give them eternal life, Father, that they shall never perish. Here what Jesus said, here is the reason why we as believers should stand assured that God is still in control. The words of Jesus, I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. Such an assurance we have. My Father, he said in verse 29, who has given them to me, is greater than all. Jesus said, my father is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. God has control over this world in which we live, brothers and sisters. The early believers understood what Jesus meant. And they held fast to his word. Their feet were anchored in him and him alone. Not in man. And I see so many believers wavering in their faith today. If God is sovereign, if he is Lord over all and over uh, creation, brothers and sisters, there is a reason why you should continue to put your faith and your trust in him. And I pray that we will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is sovereign over the affairs of men and over the affairs of this world. So continue to look to him. And in closing, brothers and sisters, just to remind you the four things that we covered in this sermon here today, that God is sovereign over creation, over all things. God is sovereign in the history of the world over the affairs of men in the past. God is sovereign in redemption because he provided a way. And God is sovereign even in our world in which we live today. And God is still in control and after they have prayed all those things, after they have acknowledged all those things, the 31st verse in Acts chapter 4 says, hear what it says, And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together, where they were praying, the place in which they were gathered, it says, were shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Very careful there today. This is also a demonstration of what took place at the day of Pentecost. That the power of God once again come on the lives of the believers and fill them in, 
with more boldness to go speak the name of Jesus. It had nothing to do with them. It all had to do with their sovereign Lord. God who they recognize. And I pray that this message will, will continue to encourage you to change the way when you come to God in prayer. When you look to God, what exactly are you praying for? Are you praying God protect me and my family? Keep me well and watch over me? And it's all about me or are you praying, say, God, give me boldness. Give me courage to go to, 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 to the lost. Go to, to those who never heard the gospel. We are so sometimes focused in our own affairs. And yet God is calling us to say, look, there are people dying. There are souls that are lost. And yet we choose to do nothing. And here we see the early church prayed for boldness to go out and speak. And yet again, some of us can't even go and tell our neighbors about the good news of Jesus Christ. Yet again, we, we cannot go and tell anybody, even those in our workplace. And I pray that after this message, that God will challenge and encourage your heart to go out and speak the name of Jesus with boldness like the early believers. Because he is still in control. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because truly you are God and that you are in control. Lord, we heard your word. We heard the prayers of the early apostles. The early believers, God, they were not entertained by, by healing and miracles. No, God, they wanted to do more of what you have placed in their heart. They recognized, God, that the, that the healing and the miracles and the signs and the wonders are in your control. Redemption is in your control. Everything is in your control. But God, all they ask for is simply the, the boldness to go and proclaim the name, the name which is above every other name. And God, I pray that those who are listening to the sound of my voice, those who will listen to this message week after week or whenever they listen to it, God will be challenged, oh God, and will be encouraged and will be charged, God, with such passion like the early church. And God, let's see a demonstration for us to see a demonstration of the power of, of your Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of men and women, God. That you will raise up young men and women with boldness and courage to go out and speak your name with boldness. And so we give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.